0: know you're here. We're glad you're with us. Again, I hope everybody had a good Christmas. I know lots of people are doing family stuff right now still too, but that's good. But we're here for church. Amen. I said we're here for church. Amen. Amen. All right. Good. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here. How about how about we all stand up on our feet and let, let me open uh, in prayer this morning before we roll into our video. Lord. Lord, we worship you and we praise you. For you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. You're our Savior. And I pray that you're with us today in a tangible way with your spirit, Lord. So, Father, come. Spirit, come. Be with us. For we are your people and we we just simply want to be together to, to worship you, to be in your presence, to spend time in your word, to grow together. Lord, as a family of faith drawn together by your spirit, we thank you for that. we thank you for this family. So I pray that all that we do today, Lord, it glorifies you, it pleases you for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
1: You give life. You are love. There.
2: Who did
0: song A song about giving our burdens over to Jesus so we can have freedom how many of you believe that he really is the only thing that can satisfy please but here's what I do know is that always around holidays the burdens that we carry seem amplified you know what I mean so how about this before we go into our next song if you're here and you're carrying a burden whatever that burden is it could be a physical burden a financial burden a relational burden uh things going on loss of a loved one whatever it is i mean there's so many things that that are happening our world is fractured and it's broken but the good news of jesus is that we can give our burdens to him amen Amen. it's about this before we before we do one more song if you have a burden this morning, I just want you to take time once again to give it over to Jesus. All right? And, and I here's what I here's what I know. You've already done this. I promise you. you. You've been you've prayed and you've given, and and yeah, I get it. I know. But we're always gonna be like that persistent will. We're always coming to the to the, the righteous judge. That he will he will act on our behalf whether it is some sort of a healing or or some sort of a breakthrough or whatever it would be how about if you have a burden just just raise your hands up one more time and just give them over to jesus lord lord we come to you and all the things that are happening in our lives and we believe you are the only one who can satisfy You're the only one who can heal you're the only one who can make a way you you can do only what you can do so we, we rely on you we trust in you we put our hope in you our faith is in you. For those that, that are struggling this morning, for those that have burdens that just have, have seemed heavy, it doesn't seem like they've been able to take it off, I pray that this morning there, there is a changing, there is a transfer, a trade-off. The Lord, you take our burdens that weigh us down so heavy and you keep giving us your burden and the yoke that is easy and light. We depend on you, Lord. Give us life. Renew us today. That the joy of our salvation is shining through. A peace that passes all understanding, Lord, breakthroughs to come for your glory. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. Amen.
1: Everybody had a great Christmas. Um, if you're new here, there's a connect card on the back of your chair. And go around and greet your family of faith this morning. out, cleared out.
0: everybody. It's good to have you. Kids Church is open. If you've got kids, you can take them on down and check them in. Amen. All right. By the way, Kids Church is open. They were up here for worship, so if you want to check your kids in, you can go do that real quick. Amen. all right. Let's get let's get ready for tithing offering. Come on in. Hello, 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 hello. Well, amen. All right. All right. How many of y'all had a good Christmas yesterday? Anybody? good I hope you did I hope you did I did I actually got a gift or two Some, somebody loves me I think maybe I did I did get coal in my stocking but honestly I was going to put it there I actually gave coal to everybody it was candy wrapped like coal, but anyway, so I had to get some coal. <laughs> All right, so yesterday, yesterday, how many of y'all, or, or in the last week or so, how many of y'all received at least something for Christmas? Anybody? Even if it was just a little candy cane, anybody? Oh, you got something. Your life increased, did it not? And, and you know, we're allowed to enjoy life, isn't that true? But remember, as Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Amen? It's nice to have. It's okay. You don't get wrapped up too much in it. But what we do in our tithes and our offering is we respond to what Jesus said. It's nice to have. I I don't mind having. I'm glad I have clothes, and so are you. And I'm glad I have a car to drive in and a house to stay in and, and all those things. Those are nice. It's good. It's okay to enjoy, but never to the point that it overtakes you. And that's then what life becomes about, amen? And what tithe and offering teaches us, tithe of your increase teaches us, is that doesn't happen. If if you're free to tithe of your increase and you're a giver, you'll never fall into this trap of life is just all about the abundance of possessions, amen? We have things to enjoy, and I do too. But, but be a giver, and it, it keeps that that worldly draw of, of greed from overtaking your heart. Amen. That that is why. So when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I, I um uh, I always I, I still love Christmas. But I love Christmas. You know, I always look forward to it, and so family gathering and gifts and all that kind of stuff. But I developed a dread of Christmas too. I still carry a little bit. I dreaded because it always at the end of the day, I always had a let How I many you know what I'm talking about? Family's gone and the gifts are given and just kind of... And I think in my heart I'm realizing and I have realized as I'm getting older that that's all nice and dandy but and the family's the most important of that. But life isn't about all that stuff. Amen? It's about the joy of God in your heart. Amen? So, so by the way, if you're on the you're, if you were right now on the Christmas letdown, it's okay. It's okay. we will be all right. Joy in our hearts because of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give today. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God, you're our provider, and, and that we're not depending upon the things that we have, but we depend upon you. And, Lord, as you teach us in our tithe and our offering, that we are always looking to you. You're our provider. You're our hope. You're what we look for. And I thank you as, as we live in faith for the provision of our lives, Lord, and we respond in our giving today. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something to give, bring it on down. I just have a couple of announcements. Let's um, so I can turn this mic off. You might turn that off for me so it's not like right, reverberating while I'm talking. All right, so 21 Days of Prayer starts next Sunday. Amen. Starts next Sunday. So, yeah, um, uh, I love, by the way, there, there are some of you that are, that are intercessors in our church. You are deeply appreciated. And if we don't pray, what can we do? Amen. And so we, we kick off uh, the year of 21 Days of Prayer, consecrating our year to God. And so what's going to happen in 21 Days of Prayer, that's next Sunday, which, which next Sunday is the first Sunday of the new year, January 2nd. Uh, We're going to be consecrating the first 21 days. So it's January 2nd through January the 22nd. Uh, We're going to get back to Monday night prayer from 6 to 7. Okay. Um, So what we're going to do is, at at least for now, we're going to start with Monday night prayer from 6 to 7. Next week I'll have kind of a prayer guide for 21 days of prayer for those of you who want one. And then during that three weeks, I'm I'm asking, I'm challenging you to take one day during those three weeks, to three days, and fast during that time. And uh, for, for whatever's in your heart, but really fasting is just kind of, and Christine was actually asking me about this before church, in certain senses, it's emptying yourself before the Lord. Uh, it, it's fasting now in, in a uh, anticipation of, of the Lord's coming. It's wrapped up in a lot of different stuff. Uh, so actually next year we're going to be challenging uh, the whole church, the third week of the month, every month, taking one day during that week in fasting. Okay, just as a, a challenge to the church that so we're always putting ourselves before the Lord. So uh, 21 days of prayer, uh, Monday nights we'll gather together. But, it, but it's a challenge not only to 21 days of prayer, but if you don't have a, a, a habit of prayer or a rhythm of prayer in your life to develop one. So it's a consecrated time of 21 days of prayer that we hope then leads us into a year of prayer and seeing what God is up to. So remember, prayer isn't just trying to get God to do what you want him to do. Prayer is getting on on what he's up to and finding his heart. And certainly we take our request to him, but prayer forms us much more than we just ask for stuff, right? Uh, so 21 days of prayer, that starts next Sunday. And then the next thing, the last announcement before we get into the word is, don't forget, uh, February the 11th. And February the 18th, we have what we call marriage nights. Two Fridays in a row from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Child care provided. We'll, we'll have a little bit of food here. And we're going to spend time just talking about marriage. So so guys in the house, I would encourage you, don't make your wife bug you about coming. You, you take the step and say, hey, I want to take you to the marriage night because I care about our marriage and I want to make sure we're working on it. you going to come with me? Okay. All right. Margaret's going to come. I just asked her in front of the whole church, so you guys know I took the first step. And we were talking about this last year when we did the Exo Marriage Conference. We're not doing Exo Marriage Conference, we're gonna do something different. It's like your car. Car runs good, but eventually if you don't keep care of it, it turns into a problem. Marriage can be the same way. So what we're gonna do, by the way, there's some things that, that we're gonna talk about, but also I'm gonna put out there, it's gonna be out there next Sunday, a question box. So if you want to, you can write down a question on marriage, fold it up, anonymously throw it in that box, and we'll, we'll answer some of those questions and talk about some of those questions on those nights. So some things that we want to share, but also I want to get to the heart of some things you guys are talking about. Okay? So marriage nights, uh, we'll have a sign-up sheet about that and all that stuff. So uh, we just want to take some time and work on our marriages. Amen. Thank you, Chamberlain. Doesn't the worship team do a good job? We appreciate them. And uh, Samara, as you know, our worship leader, just had a baby the other day. She kicked the whole family out of the house this morning. They came to church. So, she, No, I'm kidding. But they're doing well, right, Judah? The family's doing good, and we're excited about that. And, and be in prayer, by the way. There's a lot of people doing family stuff today. We, have, we do have some people that are sick and some of this stuff. So be praying for the congregation about that. And we got some visitors with us today. That's Jason and his mom, Judy, and friends of ours for a long time uh, from the Botkins Church. But Jason was a young guy that grew up in my youth ministry. He now youth pastors in Delaware, right? And he's doing a great job. Um, If I knew you were coming, I'd ask you to preach. But I would have loved to take a seat and just listen. But, man, they showed up and, and surprised us today, so... I asked him, I said, you still have a job? He said, yep. I said, that's good. Just just keep on. As long as you're still employed, that's a good sign, right? Amen. All right. Let's get our words out today. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to close out our Advent series today. I know Christmas was yesterday. But uh, you know, by the way, by the Advent calendar, Christmas rolls on long past Christmas Day. You know that? There's like the 12 days of Christmas. But we're not going to do that. But um, Matthew chapter 2. Advent, God has come. By the way, God has come in a way that nobody thought he would come. Who would have thought that the saving plan of God would be a baby being born? And somehow, in the mystery and the wonder of God, God in flesh, fully man, fully God, but he has come to save our world. And we're thankful for that. As as we said, I think, the first Sunday of Advent, that, that God in flesh I heard it said that it was like God jumped into the dumpster of humanity in order to save us. But we are, we are a broken, a fractured, and a lost uh, race of people, humanity, without him. Amen? And he does what only he can do, and he is our Savior. But the good news of great joy that the angels announced to the shepherds, do you, you know that that good news when that revelation comes about Jesus isn't always received as good news by everybody. You know that. And that's tragic by the way, for he is the only one who can save us. He is the only answer to what we need, but yet the good news of great joy breaks into our lives and, and and is revealed to us, but yet is not always good news to everybody. So today we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. And we're we're going to talk about the Magi and King Herod. And I think uh, obviously a lot of you are, are familiar with this story, but I want to talk about it a little bit because in this narrative of Matthew chapter 2, you have some who received the revelation of Jesus in a good way, and then you had somebody that did not. So you have you have Magi are called the wise men. Can I can I blow your nativity scene picture up? Probably wasn't just three of them. Okay, hate to tell you, and they probably weren't there right at that moment as the shepherds were coming to see either. Okay, we'll see that in a minute. I think the reason we attribute we there were three of them because there were three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right, but. See, see, the Magi, uh, and there's debate on exactly who they were or what they were. Some thought, well, literally they were, they were some sort of astrologers because they did see the sign of a star, right? Uh, some people think they were priests of some sort. Most likely in tradition of what we see in the, in the past in the scripture, uh, they, they may have been trusted advisors to some sort of king or, or royalty or some sort of political office, and they may have themselves been Uh, treated as royalty. As we know, Daniel was a trusted advisor uh, in his days. He was elevated, and he actually achieved uh, some level of political office himself. But whatever they were, um, they came to find Jesus. And the interesting thing about this is the good news of great joys for all the people that was proclaimed to the shepherds, well, the shepherds were Jews, now the the whole thing about Jesus that kind of blows everything up according to what the Jews thought was, Gentiles get included in this too, Amen. and I'm thankful for that because I'm a Gentile, yes. right? And here we have the visit of these wise men that were not Jews, so immediately we find in the narrative of Matthew, we got Matthew chapter one, we got the birth of Jesus, and then, then Matthew two, we already have Gentiles, those outside of the promise of Abram coming to give uh, worship and presence to this baby-born king of the Jews. So so immediately from the start, we have this message of all people coming and worshiping Jesus. So so, uh, there are characters in this narrative. But the other character of this narrative is King Herod. Uh, Other uh, sources call him Herod the Great, Herod the Great was—he um, uh, was a non-Jew. Uh, he was appointed king of Judea by by the Romans uh, about 40 BC or so, before the birth of Christ. He actually died not long after this story, within three or four years. Herod had already died. Okay. Um, Herod was, was known as a great builder, by the way. Uh, he actually uh, started a reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Um, most likely to appease the Jews and and, and being the leader that he was, but King Herod was ruthless. And as we read the story, you'll see his ruthlessness, by the way, in what he does in response to hearing a king of the Jews being born. King Herod was very concerned, paranoid about keeping power. So outside of the story that we read, I'm going to read you a list here. This is, this is historical. Actually, actually uh, King Herod being a historical figure actually helps us date roughly when Jesus was born, by the way. Um, but King Herod had his, one of his wives murdered, three of his sons, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, and an uncle being paranoid of losing power to them. Power generally, always seeks to maintain power. And will often do whatever it takes to keep it. Amen. Um, and, and if you want to connect him history, he's connected to Julius Caesar, uh, Caesar Augustus, he's connected to Mark Antony, Cleopatra, I mean, you think of all those historical figures, they're all connected in some way to King Herod. So those are the players of his story. So we got the, the Magi, the wise men, and we got King Herod. So let's Matthew chapter 2 verse number 1 there's a little background and we're going to read down through chapter 2 so it's it's a, a few verses here so let's read now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who had been born king of the Jews for he saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him now Let me stop and say something here. Do you know by the law it's forbidden to read the stars and worship the heavenly bodies like the sun and the moon? By the law, Old Testament law, you're not allowed to do what these guys are doing. Isn't it wonderful that the grace of God reaches beyond our conceptions of how God has to do stuff? He, He reached a bunch of Gentile, whatever they ultimately were, through a reading of the star, that something miraculous had happened. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God in unconventional ways. Verse 3, And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, In all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And verse 5, And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, so he brought them back. And he ascertained from them at what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Oh, he's sneaky. He's sneaky, right? And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that he had seen, when it rose, went out before them and came rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, now there's, there's often... Uh, trying to, uh, the symbolism of those different gifts, um, a gold that, that uh, anointing him in a certain way of his, his kingship. Uh, frankincense was, was a, a mixture that they used in the temple uh, of the Old Testament, maybe ascribing to him uh, his priestly position. Um, and, and then myrrh was, was part of the mixture they used in, in his burial. So maybe ascribing the the prophetic of of the way he would actually be king of the world and his death and certainly his resurrection. Verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed on their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw they had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he has ascertained from the wise men. This was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah while weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who had sought the child's life are dead. And he rose. And he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And when he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so it was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Obviously mixed in there all the prophecies. Uh, uh, being brought to, to pass in the things that the prophet said and, and what was happening with Jesus. So we got the wise men and we got King Herod. Not everybody hears the good news, receives it as good news. Very particularly when it goes after your power. Amen. See you got the wise men by the way they traveled there's estimates kind of guessing where they're from anywhere from somewhere around 400 to over 600 miles away to find Jesus that's why he was toddler age that's why Herod had ordered uh, babies or or children 2 years under old and under to be killed okay so the difference here is right away with the wise men The wise men, for whatever they were, even if they were royalty, they came to find Jesus, to worship Jesus, to bring him gifts, and ultimately claim him for who he is. See, the revelation that we're seeing here is that Jesus is what? The what of the Jews? The king. Now, see, that's important because when we often talk about Jesus coming, we talk about him in the light of him being a savior, which he is. But you can't miss the idea and the fact that he's not just Savior, but he is also king. That's very important. Now, now Matthew kind of sets this up a little bit. So if you start in Matthew chapter 1, it, it gives a genealogy of, to the birth of Jesus, right? The, the history, the, the lineage of his life. It's noted in there about King David. At the end of the genealogy, he mentions David again. Matthew is making sure that you understand that Jesus comes from the line of King David. It's important, because Matthew's not just concerned about his saving aspect, but he's also concerned about the kingship of who he is in fulfillment of the one who will take the throne everlasting in the line of David, as the prophets foretold. Kingship's very important. But, now, you got Herod who ultimately is worried about his power. Now, there's there's two ways that I I think we have to talk about this. One is kind of the big-picture idea of what it means that Jesus is king, but then the the personal way that we have to see it. I think sometimes we always focus on the personal way so much that we miss the big-picture aspect of what this is really all about because it means something. It actually leads into what happens to us personally. It doesn't go personal, big picture, it's big picture down, if that makes sense. So, Jesus is king. We say this phrase here, you've heard this phrase Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. He was not the first one to be ascribed king and lord. You know that. Actually, um, uh, especially in Middle Eastern, uh, culture leading up to this time, obviously kings were there, that's a worldwide thing, but the, the term Lord was, was in usage uh, at the time of Jesus, and, and leading up to it, uh, even the Roman leaders, the Caesars, were taking on this deified idea, they were beginning to worship the Caesars in Rome, and it was called, was called the emperor cult, um, by, by the way, this is very important, so we're going to jump into the book of Revelation on Wednesdays, starting in February, Here's something everybody needs to understand about the prophets. Prophets don't just foretell, they foretell. So, for instance, when we jump into the book of Revelation, we, everybody was okay, what about the foretelling? What's going to happen? And what does this mean? And what's this about? And how does this fit here? And we start trying to fit our, our times into the book of Revelation. Okay? You're concerned about the foretelling. Okay? It's there. The prophets do foretell. But always with the prophets, it wasn't more about the foretelling as it wasn't much about the foretelling. Foretelling is like this. So the Old Testament prophets were constantly coming against Israel for idolatry and injustice. They they were critiquing what Israel was doing based on what God has said. And based on their sin in idolatry and injustice, Then there was some foretelling, and because you are in sin, this is your judgment, and this, and this, and this will happen. You can know all the foretelling, but if you miss the foretelling, then the foretelling isn't going to make a whole lot of beans anyways. So, for instance, when we jump into the book of Revelation on on Wednesdays in February, we're going to spend two or three weeks talking about the foretelling of the book before we talk about the foretelling. Everybody wants to talk about the foretelling. What about one world systems and marks to the beast? Okay, well, fine and dandy, but if you don't know the foretelling, that's not going to mean a hill of beans to you anyways. Okay, does that make sense? So what's happening here is that there is a foretelling of what Jesus is because he is king. Jesus is, as ascribed to him, king of kings and lord of lords, literally in our world today right now you see that and what that does the foretelling is it is that he brings into judgment all other offices of power in our world including herod the great including rome itself including caesar augustus so people say well christianity should be political yes now, now I may, I may in the next 10 minutes here ruffle your political feathers for a minute. How many will allow me to do that? Raise your hand. If you don't, I'm going to anyways. Yes. When we say Jesus is political, yes, because Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, and Caesar is not. Right? Now, when we think of, of Caesar's and kings and kingdoms, that, that is terminology of this day, Bible days. So you can think about and you can can use any political uh, uh, vernacular you want to based on wherever you live in our world. So in the United States of America, it is saying Jesus is king of kings and he is lord of lords and whoever our president is, is not. Nor is capitalism. That's not lord either. Right? Nor is three branches of government. Right? Executive, judicial, and, and Congress, whatever the, the executive, yes. Legislative. Legislative, thank you. Think back my history. Now now here's what happens is, remember, power always seeks to stay in power. And will do whatever is necessary to stay there. King Herod was so worried, and you, you, we, we saw his, his personal history killing family members, just the paranoia of keeping power and doing whatever is necessary to stay in power. So much so that he would have innocent children slaughtered because what if the word really got out that there was a king? Because it, there, was, there was, if you look at the history of Israel, they had no problem naming kings of teenage boys. It happened. i got to get rid of this threat to my power. Even if I have to kill people to get there, power seeks to maintain power. And what Jesus in his birth and his kingship foretells, that the systems of the world are not really the ultimate of what is there. That he's not just your savior, but he also is the king of your life. He doesn't just forgive you of your sins, but he is also Lord. And it started at his birth. It was happening, and obviously Jesus always was. He's conceived. But, but the reality of the kingdom of God is launched with Jesus, his life and his ministry. He's king, crowned king on the cross. Then it's backed up by God in his, in his raising from the dead. Do you understand that this is a threat to all power in the world, what is seen and what is not seen? Is that correct? Now, let me just say this. Let me push your feathers back down. Are there leaders in our world that have done good things? Yes. Are there, are there some systems of, of what man puts together, we call government, that have done good things? Yes, absolutely. Um, are there, are, in our personal opinions, do we think some leaders are better than others? Yes. we think some systems are better? Well, yes, we would would say as Americans, our system of government is the best one out there, right? But see, if those really answered the need, why would Jesus have to come? If, If we really were able to put together the best system that we could that took care of everything, why would there have to be a kingdom to come in finality to new heaven, new earth? Does that make sense? So what the prophets do and what we as believers do, we live in a world where we have to be able to tell in a foretelling way that, yes, there can be good things, and hopefully you're not so wrapped up in your politics that you never can see and critique way of what's not good, even with those that you generally agree with. Does that make sense? By, by the way, when you get in bed so much with it, if you know what I mean by that, you lose your ability to be a prophet to it. Does that make sense? So kind of like this: It don't matter who I vote for if that person in our, our political system in America, I vote, I participate, I have, to, I have to pray in a very nuanced way how to do this, because I believe in something higher. And even if the one I vote for is in office, I'll be honest with you, I'm never 100% satisfied anyway. Because I always see something higher. It doesn't mean it's always cynical and mean. No, no, but but what what it means is that I have the ability as a Christian to be able to foretell to the powers that be. Okay, yes, but Jesus is king of this world, and you are not. Amen. And and now, let me just say this. Let me push your feathers back up. I know a lot of you may like to say it today, but rewind five years ago, you should be able to say it then too. Because nobody, if if there's anybody, I don't care if it's America or another country, anybody says, I'm the only one that can fix this, I'm the only one that can save this, that's false Messiah talk. There is only one person who is Savior, who is King, and who is Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. And he speaks to the powers that be. He puts everybody on notice. Your time is not so long. You know why? Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that who, who is, is Lord? Jesus is Lord. So he, he brings everything that's happening in our world and it really exposes it for what it is ultimately. That is part of the incarnation. That when we talk about the baby and, and Jesus eventually you know, going to the cross and forgiving our sins and that's all wonderful. It's part of it. But there's a bigger cosmic picture happening here. He's coming to set this world right and that includes the systems that we have set up Because remember, even Israel demanded the king to be like everybody else. Remember the story of Saul? Didn't turn out the best, right? David, we think he was a snapshot of of, of the best one, right? But even David had his shortcomings. Just read the story. David can't save you, you know? Then Solomon comes in all his wisdom and his splendor. Didn't turn out the best. When Israel wanted to be like everybody else and bring a political system into the people of God, it didn't work out all that great because there's a higher that critiques what's down. Amen. So I say that is, is to say this, that although there are good things and good leaders and good things that happen, none of them are who Jesus is. So that's big picture. That constantly keeps us looking beyond, okay, we've we got to work with what we have. We have to, right? Participate. you got to. But in this, keep yearning for what is to come because that is the intention of God. Amen. But the second way to look at it is this. Sometimes personally, we want Jesus to be our Savior, but we don't give him entire kingship of our life. We fight to maintain power in certain things. We'll do whatever it takes to to keep it. We ask for forgiveness, 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 because he's my Savior. When it actually comes to the Lord and him taking it, you're just like, I don't know about that. I'm going to fight to maintain this one a little bit. He he can't just be Savior. He's also got to be King and Lord. King is that literally, he literally rules your life. Now, I understand, look, Jesus, we, there, there's a song a few years ago that was very popular, I Am a Friend of God. How many remember that song? I hate that song. Um, they sing it in church. I, I, I'm worshiping anyways, Jesus. You know, that was always my take on that song. How many have a, okay, let's be honest. How many of y'all have a song like that? Yeah, we're honestly the worship team's like, you kidding me? He's throwing us under the bus. No, that's not true. Not true. That song, it, there's nothing wrong with the lyrics of that song, but I think sometimes we get wrapped up in that so much that we forget that he is king and he is Lord. He is who he came to be. He is who the prophet said he is, and he is those things. That he has got to have way in your life because forgiving you of your sins and setting you free of your sins is a life that's lived out only then when he is king and Lord also. Because if you're king of your own life, you always gravitate, gravitate back to the stuff that you like and, and well, I'm just fulfilling my desires. But a king has the ability to issue a decree. No. As a matter of fact, the, the king can issue a decree and say not only no, but there's penalty for that. Right? We gotta have them have the ability see him this way because then and only then will he be able to do what he wants to in our lives now here's something about king herod let's say king herod did opposite of what he did he was very genuine to the wise men say hey come tell me where he is I would like to go and worship him also. Let's say he he found him, he worshipped him, and he lived long life instead of dying not long after the story. Long life, right? And to the point of of Jesus, his ministry and, and, and the miracles and the cross. And then he began to be a follower of Jesus. I would venture to say he would eventually lost his throne, anyways. Most likely. Because he would have realized the charade he'd been playing the whole entire time. And he would have realized, I've, I've got to change how I'm treating these people. And he would have realized then the powers that be over him wouldn't allow him to make those changes. The Romans who put him in place would demand demanded, no, you must, you must. And he would have said, I can't do that because I am now a follower of this king. See, see, there are always things in our life that are fighting for our allegiance. Always. Always fighting for your allegiance. He's forgiving you of your sins, but, but don't let anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care if, if, if it's, it's uh, your, your politics. I don't care if it's money. I don't care. Whatever it is. Lust. I don't care. It, whatever it is. Uh, uh, achievement and success. I don't care what it is. Don't let anything have allegiance in your life over King Jesus. Because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. This is the story of, of the wise men and King Herod. So put it this way. Be wise men, don't be King Herod. Be wise women. And not King Herod. Now here, here's what happened to me. I'll be honest with you. Can I tell you a little, little one-minute story? So I would say about, wow, 20-something. So probably about 15 years ago, this whole thing about Jesus being Lord and the things of our world or not really hit me in the brain. And it was one of those, whoa. And it changed the way I started seeing things across all spectrums, including politically, by the way. And I didn't change my vote, but it changed what I started seeing beyond that, if that makes sense. And, and, and it made me really start nuancing out and thinking through things. A lot of dominoes falling, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And people say, well, I believe this, and then, but they don't realize then the real domino that reaches 10 down, you know what I mean? I was really working through the dominoes and I was really finding, whoa, stop for a second. Let me put that domino back up. I'll come back to that later. You know? This is the wonder of what it means to follow Jesus and how he changes down to the details of our life. That makes sense. You, you can say, I believe in Jesus. That's great. He's forgiven me. Wonderful. But what kind of dominoes are falling in your life because of it? You know what I mean? So be able to step back and and say, okay, but let me have the ability to foretell to the things I see around me. Why would we do that? Because anytime the life of Jesus comes through, it is the life of Jesus. And some people say, well, I can't live that way till he comes again, but we weren't asked to wait. Right? We're asked the best that we can with the leading of the Holy Spirit, with, with working things through. Re- you know, the word repent brings with it an idea of rethinking. You know that? It's not just asking for forgiveness, but the word repent carries this connotation of, I am rethinking my entire life based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. My entire life, everything about me, I'm rethinking based on Jesus my interaction with the world, my relationships, the things that I say, the things that I think about. You know what I mean? My my whole being is being rethought based on the revelation that Jesus is my Savior, He is also King, and He is Lord. And what does that mean? And you're going to run into some tough questions. Don't be scared of the tough questions. Wrestle with God about it. Wrestle with Him. And you may not get a nice, easy, boxed-up, bow-on-the-top answer all the time either. But what you did was you wrestled with them. As we said Wednesday, we're talking about the Psalms. You come out of that, that wrestling, maybe now you've got a little bit more of a noticeable limp. That's all right. I'd rather be hanging out with people who limp because they wrestle with God than ain't nobody ever wrestled with God. I'll be honest with you. Amen. So we started this series by saying, Jesus has come. What does that mean? how does that change the trajectory of our world? And what does that mean for me personally? So if Jesus really is king of this world, king of kings above all, what does that mean? How does that change the trajectory of our world? And what does that mean for me personally? I would encourage you to think about these things and meditate on these things and work it out scripturally in your own heart. And don't be scared when you get surprised. Sometimes you go, oh, ooh, oh, oh really? Don't, don't, don't be scared of those moments. Don't, don't be worried about what am I going to have to do now because, well, there's always something involved with following Jesus with what do I have to do now, right? Amen? But give all allegiance to him and then nuance the rest out in how you're supposed to do it as you live your life. Amen? Okay. I'll close there. Let, let's pray. Do you, know, do you know, as your eyes are closed, do you know as a pastor of a church my job is to foretell? you know that? By the way, my job as a pastor is not always to teach messages that make you happy. Did you know that too? I hope so, or else you've probably been very disappointed so far in my tenure at this church. Um, My job in certain ways is to challenge you to dig deep. Jesus shook the foundations of my life, and and sometimes pastoring people is a challenge to shake their foundations too. Amen? So, So I would rather be shaken by God than just assume that all things I think are correct. Lord, we thank you for not only saving us, but we thank you that you are king of this world. And I pray that you change us in such a way that were reflective of who you are. Light's in this world, in, in a darkness that, that needs light. And Lord, Lord when, when, when your kingship shows up to me personally, it challenges something in me. I pray, Lord, that I step up and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to, to do what I need to do. The Lord, I allow the word to, to, in a way, foretell to me how I need to continue to change and become. And as that's happening, Lord, that I look around this world and and not become cynical, but let that bring more of an urgency than ever to share who you are, the one who has come to save us, to heal us, to set us free. So we praise you today and we worship you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, as you go today, if anybody would like prayer about anything across the spectrum, come on down. We'd love to pray with you. If not, back in the Psalms on Wednesdays, a couple more weeks on that, and then uh, we'll be back next Sunday morning. Be blessed. Be blessed as you go today.